last year on the Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey. Our universities, and I, I noticed that St Andrews is now the best university in the UK. I've just created a device that hopefully will reduce people's energy use by 15 to 25%. If I was running the Scottish Government today, we would do what Ireland did, Willie. We would have a one-stop shop. Trust me, Patrick, there is loads of people serious about trying to get us to carbon neutral. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thomas, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Willie. It seems a long time ago, doesn't well, it? Well, and certainly during my break, there's been plenty of things that we could have been talking about we'll probably touch on some of them today well we wanted an extended break because we'd worked so hard in 23 Willie so we had to get our rest and rejuvenation and it's time to reflect Willie fingers to the bone Tom so fingers what are you bone. thinking about 24 in Scotland business well hopefully the enterprise will be at the heart of the Scottish government at the moment at present they're talking about it they're trying to get closer to business and obviously Labour are definitely looking as if they're trying to get closer to business so we have been saying it for a long long time but I hope that driving enterprise and business is at the heart of whoever is running any government so it wasn't a good end to the year for what you and I believe in is enterprise driving an economy the budget, this new Scottish government under Hamza Yusuf say they're listening to business. They did listen to myself and my team and we went along with their Irish report. And then they listened and did the polar opposite. <laughs> the absolute opposite. Yeah. And remember, Ireland is going to have a 60 billion euro surplus in their budget over the next three years. Yeah. And Scotland's going to have a 30 billion deficit. Yeah. And this government has done the opposite of what Ireland have done. Yeah, I, I've got to say that I did think that the budget was about anti-business, right? And I think, you know, that we just cannot... The only solution we have at the moment seems to be let's tax people to death, right? And we're not talking about people like me and you that earn more maybe than no. most people. We're talking about people earning £29,000 having to pay more. And I think that it's right when I hear other politicians saying that let's drive the economy up rather than taxing people to death. And so hopefully that, you know, in 24 that we'll see signs of that. I think, for instance, I cannot believe that they all dodged the question on the, the rates relief oh, for gosh. business. What the Gold Radio Business Show is, it, it's given us and given the business a voice to say what the Scottish economy could be. You know, you and I believe in people being in Scotland, starting and growing their businesses, and we need a wee bit of help from, from government. We don't need a big bit of help, but we certainly don't need the roadblocks that they've put in the way of business. We believe in people striving, working hard, taking on people, creating the jobs. I mean, you and Big Eddie at Arnold Clark, the biggest private employers in Scotland. Then what happens is governments seem to think they know best how to spend our money. I've got to reiterate, governments don't make wealth, Willie. Governments tax people. They take the wealth creators and they tax them and then decide how to spend it. 
Well, I'm sorry, but the facts are that the Scottish government have got a terrible track record of spending our money. Ferries, deposit return schemes, and I just don't believe that this Scottish government is taking Scotland in the right direction. We now have in Scotland six different bands of income tax. Talk about complicating something. Mm -hmm. So we have got double the bands of the rest of the UK. And that is the government saying, all right, um, we don't quite have enough money because we've wasted it in ferries and ill-thought-through policies. I know what the answer is. We'll just get more money off the taxpayer, off the businesses. And that, to me, is fundamentally wrong. And I was with the scale-up businesses last week, Willie, and there's a young lady there, Becky. She opens spas. And she was in the press prior to Christmas, and she says she's £200,000 worse off opening a spa in Scotland to England because of the rates. So just to remind our listeners, Westminster have got a rates relief bill, 75% for hospitality, retail. Scotland can decide what to do with it, and the Scottish government decided not to follow that. So why would Becky open another spa in Scotland? Yeah, She would go to England. And for anyone listening, and I know we've been accused in the past of being so uh, too political, This we're talking about the government here in a business sense. Yes. And here is a situation where we're trying to point out to someone in the Scottish government that here is a lady who's showing you, based on facts, that is less competitive to be in Scotland than it is in England, right? £200,000 is a huge amount of money to be behind the eight ball when you start on day one when you can open somewhere else. What we have to remember in Scotland is entrepreneurs and people who want to try business have choices about where they want to be. And we have to make it that we are so attractive for people to come here and to open businesses. But at the moment, it looks like when you listen to startups and scale-ups, it's the opposite. So Ireland, Willie. Exactly. I went, we got Oxford Economics to do the piece of work. We gave it to the Scottish government. They listened, so they can tick the box. They listened to us. Then they did the polar opposite. Well, hopefully that one day the penny will drop. And, and but, but Willie, just to labour the point, if that's not a political statement, yeah. it's not just the wealth creators now with this income tax. I'm reading that consultants, doctors in the NHS, who again can take their skills anywhere in the UK, in fact, anywhere in the world, Australia is trying to attract yeah. them. And we're desperately needing these qualified people in our NHS. Why would you stay in Scotland... I know tax isn't the only reason, but why would you stay in Scotland if you could go to Carlisle and earn more money? Exactly, exactly. I think we have to start the show, obviously, with the topic at the moment is the post office scandal. Indeed. Right. I know a wee bit about it, but I didn't right. watch the series. But but isn't it powerful yeah. that a TV series and then social media can move a government? I think everyone should take notice of this, right? Because... It hurt me this week to watch politicians, and I'm talking about from all parties, but especially the government, right? We are going to do this, we are going to do that. They have known 
about every single bit of this for years and years and years and done nothing. So if one thing that we've learned in the past two weeks now, the power of the public is now immense and don't forget it. It's given them a voice. So what we have learned is now, we'll talk about the scandal and the culprits, right? I know you talk a minute about physics, but for me, watching it, I was sitting and watched it with my mouth open and then my jaw nearly hurt the ground when I seen a scandal on top of a scandal. Right, tell me about that. They were struggling to get legal representation. This is a Yes, they were so led by Alan, and they were struggling to, to afford to get legal representation. Right. And one day they got a phone call from a lawyer, right, saying, oh, I think I'm able to help, you know, blah, 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 whatever, and he got a QC involved. At the end of it, when they got a victory... They've got all the sub-postmasters in a room and the lawyer and the QC are telling them the good news. By the way, we've won 58 million, right? So they're all elated. And then they say, but once we deduct our legal fees of 46 million... Say that again? 46 million. So this is as much a scandal as the scandal of the sub right? I couldn't believe it. Can we call out that? They told them all they've got 12 million. Yeah, so so beware when ambulance chasing lawyers phone you and tell you they'll offer your services on a victory-only basis. I would love an inquiry into how the legal fees were 46 million. All of these people whose lives had been tragically, right, up, you know, the, the, the upheaval in people's lives, not just for the support, their whole family split up, you know, daughters and sons left houses, they were left homeless, Prison? all of these things, Suicide? people died, so all of this. Okay. And lawyers get 46 million. Right? So It's not right. I was out walking the dog with Marion this morning and she said to me, explain to me this scandal. And I said, well, if I was running a business, let's go back to sports division. So we'd units all over the UK yeah. and we used to consolidate the tills every week. That was a function, function of our finance department. And if we started and said, oh, our Gile Street is short of money, we would send the team in, right? Go and find out, is somebody stealing? Mm-hmm. Is it, what's, what's the problem? But then if you go from having three problems a week... If you suddenly start to see Norwich, Dumbarton, Inverness, Canterbury, then someday my finance director would go, hang on a minute, this, there's something happening here with the data yeah. that's not right. You wouldn't go straight to say that suddenly everybody, manager in sports division, is dishonest. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have come to that conclusion. Correct. Why did the post office come to that conclusion? It's diabolical, absolutely diabolical that this was allowed to happen. And I'll tell you, I do not want to see one politician trying to get any praise for exonerating all the people who have been convicted. All of this, they, they have been asleep at the wheel. This should have been done five or six years ago. They knew all about this, right? Lord Arbonaut has been on this for like 15 years. So he's right? been a Peter good guy in he, it, Well, he's, he was an MP, a local MP, right. acting for a few of the sub-postmasters and mistresses. And then... Uh, he became, he went into the House of Laws and he's kept going, he's kept, kept going, going kept going, kept going. So, 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 bully for him and, and for keeping the fight going. And other MPs have joined in. But this, this, I mean, there's only one more to describe it. This is a tragedy, human tragedy. Well, you called it out last year on this show. Getting it back to the business side of it. So, first of all, the executives at the post office need to stand up and be counted. Yeah. One of them, Paula Venels, actually was a director of Olympus when I took over. But, 
then you've got the IT company, Fujitsu. Yeah. So they, first of all, when they tendered for the order from the government, because it's the post office yeah. is government owned, they fell short of the way that they criteria track criteria in seven out of the eleven categories. Yes. But they won it because they were cheapest. Yes. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Then they start going in and they knew. I watched a panorama program and one of the developers said, yes, we knew there was problems and yes, we could alter the figures back at our headquarters. But nobody had to know that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is Fujitsu then go on and win hundreds of other government 6.1 billion pounds worth. There you go. You've got the number. 6.1 billion. Yes. So hold Fujitsu to account yeah. here, Willie. Get them to pay compensation to the sub-postmasters and the people running who have lives have been ruined. Damn, it gets worse. Right. Fujitsu lost a contract to BD, Vodafone, uh -huh. for £350 million. They weren't happy that they lost the contract. They took the government to court. This is a different thing. A different thing altogether. Right. They took the government to court and they won their case. The contract was taken off of Vodafone and given, right, to Fujitsu. This is, this is a scandal. Then you find that the chief exec during some of the period of that time has given £375,000 to the Tory party. Oh, dear. Right. It just, <laughs> I'm trying to keep thinking. it on, on the business yeah. side here, Willie. Yeah, but this is where people have to know. Right, this, this, this is the worst example ever of the government not getting involved when they should have, right? And and also, I didn't know, Tom. I used to work for the post office way, way back, you right. know, uh, way back in the day. But I didn't know that the post office still to this day has powers to prosecute you. They don't have to go to the, the PF. I mean, that's the whole thing, Willie. They were, the post office were the victims, they were the prosecutors, and they decide the compensation. Okay. That needs to stop today. Yes. Good luck to them all, and we hope they get everything they deserve. Absolutely. Yeah, and I hope the people responsible get everything they deserve. And the executives who are made these decisions try to cover it up, yeah. and then Fujitsu, who put in a faulty system yeah. and tried to cover it up. What about Fujitsu denying that the gentleman had visited their offices? Right, and actually erased them from the visitor book. And only after when he produced the emails to prove it, he'd been there. And once he'd been there, he'd said to the two, they took him into the wrong room. Right. And he's seen these guys going into people's accounts and changing things, and he actually said, what you do? can you get access in? And the following day, he got a visit from the post office inspectors and they accused of being £44,000 short and put him out of business the following day because he'd been taken into that room. It's a scandal. I mean, it's... The cover-up always gets And you. well done. Well done well to done. ITV. Well done to ITV. Well done right? ITV. And actually, well done social media. Yeah, and I've change. got a few suggestions for you for a few programmes where we need to call it a few other things. Do you think we should do a programme on the ferries? Or is that too <laughs> political, Willie? <laughs> Tom, a wee bit of sad news, eh? Someone we, we, we both know, Stuart Millen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure of the details here, Willie, but the sad news is Stuart Millen which was a successful house builder based in Aberdeen. Big Aberdeen football club guy, Willie. Yes, I don't know if yep. you met him through, through that. Yep. But there was 200 direct jobs lost and then there's all the subbies. So this carries on. 
what I did read was that he did owe the Bank of Scotland a great deal of money, but he seemed to pay back about £61 million in debt reduction in October of 22. So I don't quite know what's happened here. He's blaming the bank. The bank are not saying too much. Um, but the business was up for sale for a long time and nobody came to buy it, although Stuart Mellon saying there was one offer which should have gone through and he doesn't understand why the bank didn't take it. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a bit of digging to be done here. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, through administrators, there may be something be able to be salvaged here. It's, it's just a shame, shame. Yeah. See, that's one of the Scottish Edge winners, Andrew Flynn of Potter. He's been selling his origami folding plant pots <laughs> into the home of origami. No, just to liven the mood a wee bit. No, he's selling them into Japan. It's not quite selling ice to the Eskimos, but it's close. <laughs> so the business has signed a deal with a Japanese firm, Daishu, trading that it should see them triple their turnover. So the power of Edge, Willie, I was saying we had all the Scale Up Scotland 2.0 businesses down at Blair last week and we had Callum Smeaton and Chris Vanderkeil of TV Squared, a company I was involved with, and they were telling the story there and Callum tells the story of going to Scottish Edge and taking the money he got and buying a round-the-world airline ticket yeah. to go and do market research. Yeah. And he said, no other funding organisation if, I, if I'd said, I'm, how are you going to use the money? Oh, I'm going to buy an airline ticket, would have allowed it. And he went round and he went round the world and he came back to Edinburgh and the brilliant Edinburgh engineers built this product and it's now a NASDAQ-listed company. Brilliant. So, success story. A couple of wee global stories that, that will eventually affect us. Obviously, we see what's happened with the the attacks of piracy with the Houthis in the Red Sea yeah, and how the shipping has been disrupted. And, I, and I, I, just how people understand, why does that affect us? Well, it does. If all it these does. ships have to go the long way around, the cost of loads of your goods, right, and maybe even petroleum, you know, are going to go up. So it does have an effect on what we're doing. So we'd like to kind of see that sorted. And obviously we see that the, the UK and the US were involved in bombing Yemen last night and the Russians yeah. have come out the traps right away today asking for it to be reported to the UN. So I, I think the, the UN is going to be busy this year with the various conflicts that are going on. But I hope that this doesn't escalate into something yeah. worse. As usual, Willie, there's a, there's a human element of this which is tragic. And Yemen, I don't know too much about it. But from a business point of view, goods coming from the Far East, from China, it's a shortcut through the Red Sea, the Suez Canal. And if they can't do that, they've got to go right down and round the Horn of Africa. Yes. Back up, adding time and money. Money, yeah. And there's only one person pays for it. The, the customer. consumer. Yep. And also I see now it's officially a bit of slowdown in China and what that means. Now, there may be an upside to that. If the demand for oil in China goes down, then obviously maybe the price of oil will go down. So it might have, it might have a, a good effect on what we're doing here. But there's no doubt that... Uh, it, we used to say that... Um, if uh, America sneezes, we catch a cold. I think if China sneezes <laughs> now, I think the world catches we, a cold. We, we catch COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so, Willie, are we going to have a bet about interest rates? I think I won it last yes. year, so... Let's so, finish this segment on that. So the Blue Lagoon, I think you're buying the fish suppers. Yes, you're right. I thought it would be difficult to get inflation below 5%, which happened. I, I don't know if you were right about interest rates. I think I might have been right about interest rates. But but let's... So, obviously, 
at the moment, the latest figures, you know, only 0.3% growth in November looks like, unfortunately, we could be heading into a recession, right? There's a good Scottish saying, which I can't say on the air on yeah, a Sunday morning. Exactly. But we missed it by <laughs> a small margin. Yes, really. very small margin. <laughs> so, so the bet will be, Tom, I will say that I still think that we will struggle in 2024 to get interest rates below 3.5%. Right. Well, I would agree with you. I would say it's an election year in yep. Westminster, so it's not all about the financial data, really. I think the Tories will try every trick in the book to try and get re-elected, and putting down interest rates would be one of them. Although mortgage rates are coming down quite aggressively, Willie, which yeah. has got to be good news. But as you say, we just escaped recession last year, but it was really, we, our economy stagnated. That's why we're so passionate in this show that Scotland can lead the way with entrepreneurs. We won't go back to that, but that's why I'm so annoyed that the Scottish government's taking the economy in the wrong direction. So I don't think we're going to get below four. Okay, so there's half a point in it and I will certainly agree to buy the fish suppers out of the Blue Lagoon. Right, okay. Okay. Jolly good. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Ryan McCabe, CEO of Audro, one of the UK's leading suppliers of recruitment technology. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. How Our are you? first guest of 2024. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Ryan. Happy uh, New Year when I was reading your bio, there's a few things in there that Big Sean's put in. I don't know if we can talk no, about it. No, I don't it, think we can say our summary of that. It's a very interesting story, it Ryan. Is. Yes. Yeah, we'll yeah. keep that for our podcast where you can say anything and swear and all that. That's an extra kind of part I'll do it then. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the unedited version. <laughs> Ryan, brilliant to have you here. Thank Tell you. Tell us a wee bit about yourself background and how you got into business? Uh, well, I'll try and keep it as short as I can. Um, I've always been into business just from a kid. I was buying things, selling things. I've just always been that guy. Glasgow born? Uh, Hamilton. Hamilton? Yeah, so born and bred in Hamilton. Um, so, I, and I've I've never moved out of there, to right. be honest. When you, right. have, when you have three boys, my boys are seven, five and four. Okay. You need family around about you. Funny names, eh? <laughs> 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 just easy boom, to remember <laughs> Andy Cameron sorry Andy I stole your joke you got to watch him right I'm, gonna, I'm learning quickly oh. so uh, Hamilton born and bred um, came from a relative working class background and had people around me that were I was very fortunate my papa ran a bakery for 60 odd years my dad decided when I was 15 to go and work for himself so I had good good role models around me right, what so there was something in the family yeah, enterprise encouraged I'm very fortunate that right. way um, so I watched it happen in front of me my, my papa said to me when I was very young he worked for Greg's the baker All right. his own bakery Yeah, worked for Greg's and he said to me once if I was worth £10 a week to Greg's I was worth £20 a week to myself and that was it wow. so that sort of stuck with me so I've just always kind of been of that ilk and I qualified as a mechanical engineer and uh, so how did you do that was it the usual course or did you do an apprenticeship apprenticeship yes yeah, so right. it was like a day release um, so I went to Edinburgh Telford College one day a week and I worked for MTech for for four years, so um, right. to serve that apprenticeship. Good grounding. Good ground, very good yeah, grounding. Yeah, I uh, always right into the apprenticeships, right. obviously. Yeah, it was fantastic for me, but um, and at the end of the day, you're, that's a much better way of learning the working world. You know, I, I remember I was offered at the end of the apprenticeship, or two years into the apprenticeship, to go and do the uni course, and they were like, you take an extra year, and I spoke to my boss at the time, and I said, look, 
I'm going to spend more time at uni. Would you rather I did the uni course or the college course? Where would I end up making the most money? After it, and he said, the college course. Because at least you'll have been in an office for another ah, two years, or in the sense for another two years. And you actually so, learned more on the job. Yeah. Oh, I definitely did. Ah. I definitely did. But uh, I wasn't very good at it because I'd probably still be doing it if, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if I was still there. So uh, I ended up getting into sales and uh, and through a short time in kind of sales and engineering sales, I found recruitment. Um, which then led me on to starting my own recruitment agency. So you say you found recruitment. <laughs> Tell us a wee bit about that. I'm always fascinated how people, you know, the, the journey. I found recruitment. Uh, so I was I was a qualified engineer and I got placed in another company that sold 3D printers. This was like 15 years ago, right? Right. Um, so no one knew what they were. But because I had engineering background and a sales background, they thought, can, well, that's a good right. stepping stone. So this recruiter phoned me up, said, I've got a guy wants to hire you. Went and met them, got the job. Um, but then I found out six months later that he got £8,000 for that phone call. <laughs> and ah. I was like, right, okay, hold on a minute. What's this recruitment malarkey that everyone's going on about? <laughs> so I just started looking at it a bit more and I ended up meeting a guy um, who was in recruitment but wanted to wanted to come out of recruitment but couldn't afford, to, well, sorry, wanted to come out and start himself right. but couldn't afford it. I was in the fortunate position that I said, right, well, if I cover the wages for three months, we'll give it a crack, we'll split the company, we'll do it together. And that worked relatively well for when I was maybe 21. You're 21 doing I was that? 21, wow. maybe 22 we did it. We got to maybe 11 staff, I think maybe 12 staff in the end up. Um, and then it all went peak tall. Right. <laughs> so, so what went mean, wrong? Me and my business partner fell out at the time. Right. I wanted, he was quite happy making good money. I wanted to take over the world. And right. we were, you know, what happens? Most, I, most partnerships? I, yeah. it, just sort of, it just sort of fell away. We had different goals. And being that young, you make really quick decisions. You, you know, you want to run 100 miles an hour. Right. So um, I made a very quick decision to just go, right, well, I need to get away from you. And I had a coach at the time, an exec coach. Right. And I said, it was just, it was a, I met him at a networking event. I met him for coffees. Thomas Chalmers, his name is, is a great guy. Right. And he said to me, I said to him, my goal is in a year's time, I want to be out of this situation and, you know, doing my own thing. Yep. And he said, well, what would it take to do it by the end of the month? And I was like, oh. <laughs> by the end of the month, it was done. <laughs> and uh, That was good advice. It, it was. It was just, it's, it's more just asking yourself the right questions. Why am I waiting a year? I'm putting off just tough conversations. So I did that um, and I tried to do my own recruitment thing. And while I was doing that, I came across uh, my what then became my business partner, Bill, and he'd built a bit of software for lawyers for resolving disputes online. Uh-huh. So this was 2015. Skype was only just kind of becoming acceptable. Nobody did video calls. Right. But he'd managed to get this software built that would allow you to, say it's a, a couple that were divorced and didn't want to be in the same room as each other. He'd built a bit of software that allowed you to meet online, discuss your with a mediator involved, <laughs> discuss your problems and, you know, solve your problems online, not in the same room, and then have the case management all done. That's still available. <laughs> <laughs> so just asking, I'm going to tell Susan about it. Just asking for the listeners. Just asking for the listeners. <laughs> asking for a friend. <laughs> so, yeah, well, to this day, we've never resolved a dispute. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it'll come one day. Uh, but yeah, that was, um, so Bill had this, uh, this system. So how did you Bill. find him? Was that just networking? I met him at a networking event. I used to go right. to networking events. So I can tell you, so every week networking. we talk about the power of networking. <laughs> yeah. Here's another great example. Oh, there's so many stories I can right. tell you about that. You don't get to meet folks sitting in your You meet your mentor, no, you, you meet your partner, no, uh, networking. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got a lot of friends in the business world now in Glasgow, at least in the Glasgow business scene, yeah. and even Edinburgh. There's maybe 
at 10 of your guests that have been on that I've met at these events already right. and you know, I've got them in my phone book so networking for me is just it's how I've built what we've got today well, that's to a be powerful honest. message for the listeners will it right yeah so um, I met Bill it was a Clydesdale Bank networking event in Glasgow they used to do them quite a lot anyway I met him and he said he showed me this software and he, he, he tells me this to this day he was trying to sell me it Right. And he was like, you know, that's a software that does this and does this. And instead of saying, oh, I'll buy that, what came out of my mouth was, I could sell that. <laughs> and then it completely changed the dynamic of the conversation. And within maybe, within a month, I had completely bagged everything I was doing. Right. And I just jumped straight into business with Bill and their other business partner, Mark, who was the techie. So he'd built all the stuff as a contractor. We decided to split the company three ways and give it a go. Right. Um, so can I just stop on that? Because this is a really good point. We've always said this, that when we've started to put businesses together, startups, scale-ups, it's amazing the amount of times when people work in and see an idea. Mm -hmm. Someone's got an idea or a product, but they're no good at marketing. And this company over here, and then what happens is the two of them get together and suddenly they find a success. Probably yeah. both of them on their own would have failed. Totally so this good. is another great example. Good point. I think, that, and you know, having, I know this is probably against standard advice having three people in the room was really useful for us Helpful, at points yeah. because two people would disagree one would mediate yeah. and and that worked really really well for us right um and we all brought something different to the table so yeah. i mean at that time i was 20 24 i want to say 24 25 bill was 62 so there was this dynamic of he didn't want to run 100 miles an hour i did right and then you had me being very outgoing and networking at every event speaking to people in random cafes about Try to sell them Audro. <laughs> I'll tell you that story in a minute. But um, and then you had Mark, who was very, very intelligent, fantastic engineer, who wasn't interested in being in those situations. No. Just wanted to just build wanted the to product, the tech. Yep. and it just worked very well for us. So I think um, when we've kind of came through different stages of business, like a couple of years ago, um, we did a private equity deal with BGF. Um, Right up until that point, we could comfortably say at some point each of us have played a part to get us here. Right. So there was no you know, bad blood or I've done more than you, I'm due more. There was none of that. It was like, we've well, all played our part to get that to that That is the unusual, but yeah. when it works, it's mm -hmm. really powerful. Yeah. yeah. So that's right, going to so, take us so, there. So just take us through the timeline and the journey. So you. So when did Odro start? There's the three so of you. The three of us got together in September 2015. Right. right. So And then? Uh, so, <laughs> and then we tried everything to stay afloat. <laughs> um, I think. And, and, and was it tech for recruitment or did you take it that way? I took it. I took, well, we took it that way right. but because of my background in recruitment it yeah. was me saying I, that's where my network was I thought I'd like to try that um, I worked with uh, there was a call centre that I worked with at the time who recorded all the calls that they sent their appointment setting right. and their USP was we'll record the call that the appointment was set on which no one else did so it proved that they were doing the right work and mm -hmm. the appointment was real right. and I thought with this tech and that method I could I could record the interviews that the recruiters are doing so that's my USB. I'm proving I'm doing the right work and I'm interviewing them well and these candidates are really good. So that was the kind of birth of Audro for recruitment. Right. Um, and we took it out of the legal sector. I always said to Bill, it's funny because the, the business model for the legal sector was going to lawyers and saying, I've got this product that you can charge your customers less money for. <laughs> <laughs> that's and why lawyers, it wasn't selling. Lawyers don't like that. <laughs> no, oh. they don't like billing less money. Oh. So um, so yeah, we took, it, we took it other ways before that. Um, we did... We used it for GP appointments in Aberdeen uh, NHS. 
So we did, did a deal before we fully focused on recruitment uh, with the NHS and we considered making a, an online medical appointment product. We sold it to accountants for just meeting their clients. Like what people, it's easy for me to say now, focus down, niche down, you know, and be the of expert course. in the sector. At that point, my wife was seven months pregnant and we had no money in the bank. Like I had to go and sell some stuff. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was selling it to anyone that would listen until we got just enough that you could wash your face. And then we took the big jump to change it all to be recruitment focused. And So, so how did you make that decision? Was it a three-person decision? Um, I think the guys would probably say it was, it was up to me to make the to make the money and bring the money in. So it was right. up to me to make that call. And if it was wrong, it landed in my shoulders. So I I think the realization was when I showed the technology to a recruiter, they could say, I'd pay 500 quid for that because it solved a 20,000 pound problem. Whereas if you showed the same tech to an accountant and you asked for 500 quid, it was only solving a 500 quid problem for them. I see. Different model. So yep. it was a no-brainer for me at that mm -hmm. point. And because at that point, it was only me doing the sales, I was like, well, there's enough market to go after. It's not as if I'm cutting off and I'm going to limit myself. So so we just doubled down on it and it's probably the best decision we've ever made, to be honest. Right. And is it still going in that form today, right? Yes. Yeah. So we only sell to, <clears throat> excuse me, recruitment agencies or what you call RPO firms, which is like recruitment process outsourcing. So if there's people out there listening in the recruitment world, what's your sales pitch so to them? We've got three products that right. help recruiters be better at their job and build more money. Mm -hmm. One of our products is a video messaging tool. So if you're sending a lot of cold outreach to clients or candidates and you're not getting much of a response, if you add in an audio capture video to that, you will increase your responses. So you'll make much right. better use of your time. So you get better recruits? Better, You get better responses, better engaged candidates because they buy into the person. Right. They don't think they're in a, a cold email cadence. Yeah. Right. They yeah. think they're, that's a human talking to a human and that's yeah. what we all buy, right? So, yeah. That's the first product. The second product is Audio Vision. It's a video interview tool. So to save your time sitting down face-to-face -face or live with another candidate, and we all know a couple of minutes in, you can go, oh, I know there's maybe not a fit here, but I need to just keep going and through the process and waste everybody's time. Right. Audio Vision, you can record a couple of key questions, watch them in your own time, and then come to that decision much quicker to save everyone in the process right. a lot of time. Okay. I like it. Right. So that's the second product. And the third product is Hire Deck. So what people don't know is recruitment agencies take your CV and then they'll make it look good. So they'll take all the key parts off it, they'll add their logo. And that sounds simple, but it's a pain in the backside if you've got to do 10, 15 of them a week. Right. That's not what recruiters are good at. They're good at speaking to people, making connections. So HireDeck automatically takes a CV, transforms it into a nice candidate presentation in less than a minute, wow. and allows you to send out twice as many as you could do before the product. So those are the three things that we sell to recruiters to make their lives right, a bit I get easier. It. Right. So let me give you a wee story about um, <laughs> my latest experience in recruitment. Okay. okay. So in America, I have to bring in a senior executive. Right. Okay. So a highly paid guy, half a million dollars a year, blah, 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 blah. We're looking for a top guy. Okay. So against my best wishes, we use a recruitment company. Ooh, okay. Right? Okay. And uh, we get into the process and we see a guy that's quite good put forward. Right. So... Now in America, like these recruitment companies, they put the guy through a whole psychrometric charting, right? Okay, yeah, so yeah. either, you know, Miles whatever, Briggs, Briggs yeah, or Belbins, yeah. right? Whatever, whatever, what right? Do. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, they do all that and I say to myself, wow, that's a bit of a process. And then the guy leading the company tells me, I've got to get interviewed with the guy that interviewed the guy. To see if so he now believes that he's got a true picture of this guy's character. 
Okay. And he wants to know if my character fits with him. <laughs> so hang on a minute. So I end up in a Zoom call with a guy that looks as if he's sitting in a sauna, right? <laughs> this guy saying, uh, some ex-Harvard professor saying, yes, uh, Mr. Hawkey, you know, let me see and blah, 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 blah. And at the end going, nah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think you never go on. <laughs> I don't know you guys are going to get on. But oh. in the meantime, I paid this mob 150 grand to find him oh. and he's telling me, nah, I need you. I says, listen, Willie. don't interview me again because the good news is I'll not be interacting with the guy. <laughs> I've done it for 140. I, I, I remember <laughs> 25 years ago uh, doing the Myers-Briggs with Asda, right, away back then to see what category uh-huh. I fell into <laughs> and I was trying to find it so as I could say to this guy, there's what I am. <laughs> save yourself some time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I could have saved you a fortune, Willie. Anyway. So, That's so, a different story. So, t- so who's your big client? Uh, so our big clients are big recruitment agencies so Hayes for example Hayes PLC yeah. 10,000 staff across the world uh, Adeco they're one of the largest in the UK as well so um, but we've got hundreds uh, hundreds of agencies are thousands of recruiters are you still the tools are you still selling I'm still selling you're Aye. always selling I think you're always you're always <laughs> selling I'm out seeing customers as much as I possibly can I probably being honest I probably stepped too far back from frontline selling last year and I paid the price for that to be totally Aye. honest okay. you lose I think if you you get to a point where you get a bit too comfortable and you try and focus on strategy in a closed room. Mm-hmm. I feel like you lose touch of what's actually important. So and were you going out to your customers and going back and saying, listen, it's not quite working that way now. Here's... Yeah, so, so I went you were to... listening and learning. Well, what I did was, I was frustrated, if I'm being honest, I'm sure the guys listening to this will, will understand <laughs> anyway. because I will hate it, yeah. But I was getting a bit frustrated because what I thought was happening and then what I heard coming back from the front lines of like, you know, Onboarding or training or sales pitches, anything so a like bit that. Of a mismatch. Just something. It wasn't major. It was just wee tweaks. Uh-huh. I thought we could move faster if we just closed that gap. So I decided to go and go to London and do a training myself. Yeah. So I'm just going to do this myself and find out what the questions are. And within a month, I'd pretty much rewritten the sales, the training plan because over the years, bits get bolted on to the product and we need to train it and, and it just stopped flowing. And since we've done that, um, I mean, it's not perfect by any means. It's still a work in progress and it should always be, I think. But since I've done that, I've felt closer to the customers, the sales message, the training plan. Right. So it's given me a bit more It's a good um, lesson, Ryan, impact. for the yeah. listeners are smaller. It was painful because I think yeah. they, when you speak to, like, we've obviously private equity backers, I've got a chair, we've, you know, non-exec chair, and you, you focus on this, you know, you're getting to a big company now, you need to think bigger. And... I mean, I've, I've never had a boss since I was 21, right? Yeah. So when people are talking about what's the strategy and what's this and what's, you know, yeah. go and work out the strategy in a dark room, I need to speak to customers to know what to do. So I taking think, that away... I think any advice that says, you know, the, the founders of the business have got to stay close to the customers. When I was running a big retail business, every Friday I wanted to be in the stores and speaking to the sales assistant... Is that, was, did that never fault ..who was selling to the customer yeah, because mm-hmm. that was who paid our wages yeah. so it was always a big challenge for me that the lowest paid person in my business dealt with the customer the most Fair important point, person yeah. so I used to go around well, like, every Friday I used to and I used to yeah. take my directors with me they used to hate it <laughs> and um, and I would I would say right how's how's it going oh, it's fine it's right um, tell me um, when did you run out of Nike Air Max in a size 8 and they would look at me and they would look at their manager mm-hmm. and they were going, do you want the truth? And I went, aye, tell <sighs> me the truth. Aye, well, it was actually Thursday. And I went, right. So I could go back to the product meeting on the Monday and say, we're not doing a good job here. 
Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we were out of air max in that branch, and that's not good enough. And what are we doing about it? Mm -hmm. So I learned so yeah. much. Yeah. And that's what you're saying. You went and spoke to your customers, listened, learned, went back to the ranch, and that's a huge thing. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that. I was having a wee smirk there. Over the last eight or nine months, for one reason or other, I've kind of got dragged into a wee bit into the guys, into the development, business development. And uh, I found myself going to like meetings, and <laughs> and I loved it. Driving <laughs> back, like it's just like the old days, like jumping in my car and driving down to Birmingham. I'm like, this is better than sitting over having uh, ten meetings. Well, are you only invited this to this meeting? Uh, I, I want to come. Exactly, <laughs> uh, exactly. I'm getting guys to take me into meetings and just introduce me as Willie, and I just want to sit there and listen to what's going on, you know. Stuff. But because but, but you I mean, see things, Willie, totally. That they don't. But also, I'm not kidding. As the the founder of the business and everyone's about sales, right? That's everyone's about good. sales and that's the bat. And whether you're selling a, a trainer, you know, for 50, or you're selling a business, whatever, it's all about the art of the sale it's and the, the deal thing. is yeah. getting the deal done and see the buzz for that. Suddenly, driving back from Birmingham with a smile after doing a deal, like you forget it's five hours back up the road, you know, <laughs> it was amazing. Whereas if you didn't get it, you were storing every little chef, right? You three pun by the time you get home, right? But I think that, we've been talking about it, we talked about it earlier about how important driving enterprises in the country. Yeah. And this is another great story, Ryan. Seven years and a bit, you know, you're coming into your eighth year, you started a business, two partners, yeah. you're employing 50 people now. See, up to 50, right? Yeah. See if we get 100 people today, this is what changes everything. Oh, 100%, yeah. So we can, we can drive the economy, we can drive taxes up, we don't need to tax people to death, yeah. all of these things. And I think it's another great success so, story. So, Ryan, can I ask you, what's the biggest challenge in your business when you're growing and you're scaling it at this rate? What's what's the biggest challenge for you? Is it talent? That's, that's it. That, honestly, things, yeah, because like you talk about, oh, I need good process, and you good. It's the people that you hire that design the process. It's just all in my in my experience, and we've saying that's the that's not we, it's me. I've made some terrible hiring decisions in recent well, years. We all do. Really, <laughs> hands up, hands up, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, and I'm still I'm working really hard on make myself better at finding like I then it's not so much finding good people, it's knowing. The bad people during the interview process yeah. and not going with your gut too much. Right. I really like this person. Or I want to take a punt on them, or you know, they remind me a wee bit of me or a wee bit of him, and I, I want to back them. Like, I need to stop, really stop making those decisions. I'm quite a series Myers Briggs you were talking about and stuff. Aye. I did one of these last year, like personality test. It's like you're an abstract thinker. I'm like you don't say <laughs> <laughs> you're but, way out there. I, I'm a way over here. But I'm a bit scared that, to take the test. You, the guy said to me that it wasn't a position in the bubble for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was inside the bubble. You know, but that that makes me do things like in a process. I know the numbers say that. Yeah. But I want to do this. Aye. And sometimes that served me really well yeah. in my life, and other times it's bit me in the bum. But right. um, that's it. But no, that's so, what I like to get better at. So you've you've got to this position. So what's your ambition, Ryan? I, I can tell there's something within you that wants to take on the world. What what, what are you thinking? Uh, I've got a load of ambitions, I suppose. <laughs> there's different things I want to do, but at the end of the day, the thing that is really at my core, I know this maybe is not the topic of the show, but I want my boys to see what hard work it does for you. That's what I no, want. No, listen, that, that's definitely the, the thing of the yeah, show. That's I'm too late with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think that's my that's my big thing because I had it and that set me up for life. Right. Just yeah. watching my dad work hard, my papa, my whole family, yeah. they, they were hard workers and I feel it. Like seeing that, it's going right well. Even if 
things get hard, your back's against the wall. You just need to work hard. Yeah. You need to work harder, yep. get yourself through yeah. it. So I feel like if I can give my kids that, you're talking about, you know, get 50 people to do this. If my three boys do something uh, in their life that proves yeah. that, that's well, all I, I Here's the honest truth for that, and it's the same for the three years. Different levels, right? We don't know that because we had the hunger. Yeah, right? yeah. And see when that's your kids point. have not got hunger, it's hard. It's, yeah. I'll tell you what, you need to be a genius to achieve that. Right, you yeah. know what you know. You need to be a hard, right, if you want to achieve that. Right, yeah. and it's hard. You right. keep saying, no, I'm going to give them that because I didn't have that and blah, blah, blah. And I you end so up bit, silver spooning them. But see, that's really difficult for people in your position to achieve so much. And then, I mean, I find it hard that I'm nowhere near. Aye. And I think, you know, don't get me wrong, I never had a hard up upbringing at all. Aye. I never wanted for anything. But at the same time, I knew that if I got something, it's because my mum and dad worked hard for it. Aye. And it was never a, you know, I just, it's difficult to find that balance right. of I think I think Willie's right that it's it's not fair if you've started from nothing and he was Willie the hatchet and I'm sending <laughs> the trainers out the van that's a different sort of hunger you know yeah. Yeah. Yes. if we didn't do it a bit like you said with your sales if you didn't sell something your wife was pregnant and you know it, it fell on your shoulders yeah. so I think it's unfair to put that burden on your kids but I mean my eldest son's joined our business two years ago. He's 33 now. He's he's went and did lots of things. But he brings to the business something different. Mm -hmm. I don't expect him to have the same, you know, hunger that I've got. But he's got a hunger for knowledge. Yeah. And he's got a hunger for, for educating himself in a different way, Willie. Mm -hmm. And I, I really think role models is because he's, he's seen me work yes. hard. So from that point of view, I totally agree with you. But... It's it's a subtle difference. It, it's unfair to expect you know your kids to have the same type of hunger. Yeah. Maybe they've got a different type. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know? and that's I think the the hunger is definitely something. Yeah, it's either in you or it's not. I suppose ah. right realistically, but the hard work yeah. thing. But the role model. Yeah, is yeah. Important. and I think yeah. that's probably born out of me because yeah. I mean, if you ask me that same question, even when my kids were really young, like really really young, yeah, it was still going. You know, I want to make money and I want to retire yeah. when I'm yeah. thirty five and all that. But but you I've, don't. Really, I, I don't. But that's no. what I'm saying. <laughs> but my main yeah. goal was. But now, I, like, I think you're right. But I think the best that we can hope for. And I think you've done it. Is that we should always try and make sure that they understand the value of a pound. Yes. That's the so, one thing. If we can aye. do that, we're, we're halfway there. We're, we're, we're a long way there, aye. Really. Aye. So I got to the point now, and if they want something, right, so yeah. whatever it is, they want to save up for headphones for their Xbox, whatever it is, it's got to the point now where instead of any of my boys coming up and asking me, can I have money for this? My middle boy comes up and says, Dad, what jobs can I do oh, to get the money to yeah, get the headphones? So that, and I, if I can just instill that Aye. throughout it, and it's all like, make your bed, you get a pound. Mind the opposite, my son says, how can we buy Sony? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, we've got one minute. Tell the listeners, give yourself a wee plug and how people can come and use your services. Get the um, salesman's hat on. The yeah. salesman's the hat's never off. Right. <laughs> um, if you want to check out Audro, there's two websites you can go to, audroodro.co.uk or hiredeck.io. If you are a recruiter and you're looking to improve your results this year, check out one of those websites and I'm sure you'll find what you're looking for. Brilliant. Great first guest for the year. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, gents. Thanks. I've got some presents over there as well. well yeah. See you next week. Right back next week. <laughs> we, are, we are open to bribery. And Absolutely. And Sam, it's just a pity. He's not a cake shop. No. <laughs> My right. papa was a baker. Let's, get, let's get Giovanni back on. It's time we get some of you say those lovely strawberry tarts. Oh, the strawberry tarts. Well, my dad was a baker as well. Is that so, right? Uh, but but listen, Ryan, it's been a pleasure to meet you. I can feel the enthusiasm yeah. and... 
I'm not a recruiter, obviously, but I would buy what you were selling. Good luck. Good luck to you, sir. Thank you very much. Good luck. The Borja you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Today's guest on The Board You Can't Afford is Declan Ramsey from Dramco. Hello. Welcome. Declan, now, you've came all the way from Inverness to see us today. I have. I'm impressed. So I'm impressed, Willie. That is getting off your backside and getting into the studio here. So you better give your business a plug straight off. I I hope we're still not working on four pence a mile. (laughs) No very expenses. (laughs) I think it's gone up a little (laughs) since then. (laughs) Declan, tell us a wee bit about Dramco and then ask ask us your question. Yeah, so uh, Dramco is a a business consulting business. I work with predominantly small businesses. Um, So our mission is, is your vision effectively um, so we're here to provide actionable solutions to your problems uh, we work with you to break them down into easy to di- easy to digest chunks uh, and we strongly believe that all businesses can benefit from what a clear plan can provide and um, supported by policies and procedures you can achieve a huge return in your business Right, and what made you, because your accent's Yorkshire? Yes. So what took you to Inverness? Well, my family, so my mother's side is from Cromarty originally. Cromarty, right, okay. Um, so it was... Lovely a, part of the world. It's brilliant, it's lovely. Yeah, it's such yeah. a, it's so scenic. Um, and yeah, so I've been coming up um, since I was about three months old. And again, I've got um, friends since I was a child. Right. Uh, childhood friends and everything um, yeah. up here as well. So Fantastic. it was a big move, but not not so big, if that yeah. makes sense. Oh, it's a beautiful part of the world. Lovely. So, so consultancy is all-encompassing. Tell us a wee bit it more. Is. So, so I'm a I'm a small company, yes. and I'm looking for advice. Now I hear about you, right? So I come in and I say I'm a small building company, mm-hmm. right? So how can you help me? So we're going to look at your sales pipeline effectively. So again, how what's your customer interactions? Yeah. Uh, how do you take the client from the initial phone call through to closure of um, whatever that job may be? So building or again, making socks, it could be anything. And again, it's really looking at the structure. So where I want to provide the best value for our clients is to build a structure that they can grow into and right. to save them costs in terms of um, growth and bringing on a team in the future. Right. Okay. Right. So you can help with business development techniques, costings, That's all of it. that. Yeah, right? agile business So, so would you then say that, that your expertise then is in sales and marketing? Uh, are we going, yeah, sales and, and, and customer interaction. Right. Um, so again, it's, it's looking after the customer, making sure they're getting a, a quality um, product or a quality service um, yeah. and um, reliable. And do you do that all over Scotland or all over the UK? Or Yeah, um, so we're serving um, the entirety of the UK. Wow. Um, we're based in Inverness. Um, so again, with um, technology nowadays, we can, I can, no you know, we can, we can really work a- across the UK. Uh, and again, uh, face-to-face, I, I do prefer myself as well. So if I can get down, we'll get down as well and work with you. Well, so what's your you. question for the board you can't afford? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for the time, guys. It's yeah. well, thanks for coming for Inverness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've noticed lots of costs are involved in procuring and building the right team. Would you agree that a structure, policies and procedures prior to employing would aid in cutting onboarding costs? And what would you say about preparing a business to bring on a team for the first time? Well, Well, I'm probably still doing that at different levels, maybe a wee bit outside of city. We're building it, helping build a team in other businesses. But I would definitely say that the more structure that you have around anything, you know, someone who has flown off the seat of his pants most of his life, it took me until I think I was 60 to realise that structures were good. So <laughs> I, I think that, uh, yeah, far from being a maverick and, and having a structure to what you're doing, especially around growing the business, um, I would definitely say it's a good idea. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what... What we do is, is in coaching businesses that are growing is, first of all, 
we say to the entrepreneur or, or the founder that they've got to look at themselves. So, and that might sound simple, but, you know, quite quite a few entrepreneurs, you know, we're not quite good at, we can tell you what we're good at, but we're not quite so good at telling you what we're not so good at. But you've got to <laughs> have an honest scorecard. And if you get that scorecard right, then building your team helps because then you know the type of person you don't you don't recruit people who look like you because that usually ends in disaster so you you recruit to your weaknesses if you're trying to build this team so you know i could be a great salesman but i'm not so good in the numbers so i need the fd but i need an fd that can work with me and so Building the right team is the most important thing any entrepreneur can do, but it starts with them. I think it's a really good point, Tom, especially you make about the weaknesses. I've always thought there was a niche market there. If I was starting off tomorrow, I'd set up a wee company and I'd call myself the business guru. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm grabbing the IP on that. Anybody's running to register that. But, but what I'd say is, I think this is a really good point. I think a lot of businesses that have got real potential to scale up quickly, they don't see the weaknesses that they have. And it'd be great to get an outsider in who's got no agenda, who would then, so don't talk me through your bit, it's going to take a lot of time, you need to sit down with these people for hours and hours, here's what we do, what does he do, what does he do, here's the organogram, blah, 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 and then you could say, well, that's all great, but I mean, you're, you're kind of flying in the seat of your pants a wee bit in business development, or your finance department's too weak or, you know, that you don't understand that cash is king. So see getting these sort of, from an outsider, it's getting no, if someone comes and tells you that within the business, you're like, ah, right, agenda, he wants that job, blah, blah, blah. If an outsider tells you, and and, and I think the greatest mentors or help you can get is when somebody says, I will only give you suggestions, right? I am not telling you what to do. No, no. Entrepreneurs, self people hate being told what to do, but I think <laughs> that the stuff that Tom's doing with the scale up, I think someone then, if you're introducing someone as the last part of that to help you with that, if you think that you've got a weakness or you think maybe you've hit a brick wall, it'd be great if you'd an outsider, there's a company that comes in, and I think that'd be worth every penny. So what happens... Penny. In the, in the scale-ups is because we bring 12 founders together, mm -hmm. they critique each other. Yes. Really. And, and you're right, there's no agenda apart from yeah. we want you to succeed. Correct. Correct. And this thing about if it's somebody in the business, are they after my job? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what do you think? Because it's obviously central to your business. Yeah, I have to, I have to really agree. And what you mentioned there about um, working with the entrepreneurs and maybe not telling them what they need to do, but working with them to achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah. So again, it's it's looking at those steps and breaking down what their overall um, strategy will be into actionable yeah. steps that can be um, delivered. Yeah. And again, I think entrepreneurs sometimes just need that that little bit of support. It can be a lonely, yeah. um, if, especially lonely. if you're on, yeah. um, a yeah. one-man band. Yeah. Um, so again, having that support and being able to um, bounce some questions off or, yeah. or throw some ideas across, yeah. I think, is, um, is is really important. But what I think would be really good for you also, that if you are engaged with someone, that part of your engagement is that you come back 12 months after your advice to see what's happened. You might learn that you were wrong, right? And you're Absolutely. right. And I think if you're doing this for years and years, then by the time you get to year 10, you'll be right in most things. Right, and you can give examples, you know, without naming companies. But I definitely think there's a big role for this, 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 this your type of company. 
So, Perfect. thank you. Listen, thank you once again for yeah. coming down. Please Amazing. keep in touch with us and let us know how you're getting yeah. on. And if there's MD out there looking for this sort of advice, how do they get a hold of you? Um, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and we've got a website. So it's www.dramco.uk. So D-R-A-M-C-O.uk. And it's not a whiskey company. No. But it did start a conversation. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and never miss an episode. Go!